welcome. This is the Desiree Show. My name is Desiree Imondesir, and uh, this is where we discuss the three L's of life, love, and leadership. I am the author of Otherworldly, an in-depth study of fantastical beings, which is only available at DesireeImondesir.com. So please go by there after you're done listening to this exciting episode and check out the uh, several other resources that are there at your fingertips. Um, Today, or today at the time of the releasing of this recording, (laughs) is a very special day, and it's not just because of St. Patrick's Day. And if you know me, I do get very excited about St. Patrick's Day because I am Irish, (laughs) but it's an even more exciting day because we are discussing the brand new book, The Creative Leader, Who Said Creatives Couldn't Be Bosses by Bishop Ann Twain, a.k.a. A.J. Jackson. So uh, welcome. Welcome, Bishop Ann Twain. Thank you so much. I am excited to be a part of this conversation today. I think it's going to be good. Yes. I am looking forward to it. And and so it's it's exciting because we're discussing his book, but today his book is released, y'all. This is the release yes. date. It's the drop date. Let's go. <laughs> so like, we we got to put it on the podcast. You know, we got to come with it. <laughs> So I'm excited. So, and we'll go over this at the end, but just real quick, where can they find your book, The Creative Leader? You can find my book right now at AntoineJackson.org, or you can find it on all digital outlets, iTunes, Amazon, Kindle, like it's everywhere. So make sure that you get it today. Okay, wonderful. So and, and for those of y'all who are faithful listeners, don't worry. We're going to get back to our Apostles Unleashed series, but we're going to be making some fun detours. And so if you're listening, please use the hashtag The Desiree Show. Okay, so Bishop AJ, tell us about yourself. Who are you? What do you do? Obviously, we know you're a bishop, but you're rather young for a bishop, aren't you, if you don't mind me saying. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, what's interesting is, uh, again, for you all, I'm Antoine Jackson. I am the pastor of the Equation Church in St. Louis, Missouri, and the author uh, of The Creative Leader. Uh, I am a dad of a 14-year-old daughter named Sydney Nicole, who I think is my favorite human on the planet. Um, I spend the majority of my time, of course, with my church and also just on the road doing training and development and really like helping churches in their leadership development, their structures and their systems. And, I, yes, I've been in ministry since I was 15 years old, and this is a story for another day, but because the organization that I was a part of, they didn't accept apostles. So what they thought was, well, make him a bishop. So they so they consecrated me a bishop because they didn't accept apostles. Whole another mm-hmm. story for another day. But um, it's been a joy to really, like, help the people of God. Like, it is my heart to uh, be the change that the world needs to see. And so I really get a joy out of really helping people. And that is uh, if, uh, an exciting segue for a different, <laughs> for a different day. <laughs> Yes. But I, I think I have an inkling of what organization that was, because <laughs> I may have grown sure. up in it myself. 
<laughs> but yes, um, that's very exciting, very interesting. And I love, because I think um, just off the top of my head, and I, I know this isn't the topic of today, but it is the topic of leadership. Um, I think there's only like two men I can think of who are like bishops at a really young age. And so I'm just like, that's so fascinating. Like, <laughs> it's just, it's in, in, am I allowed to ask how old you're going to be? Because today's your birthday, or today at the time yep. of our recording. How old are you going to be? Yep, 38. So, see, Saints, this is an example. <laughs> you don't have to wait until you're 40 or 50 no. or 60, you know, to no. pursue the call of God in your life, whatever it is, ecclesiastical, marketplace, whatever. And this is such yep. a fascinating topic today because we're talking about two topics that don't um, traditionally, uh, in people's minds anyway, go together. And you, you say something in your description that says very rarely do we think of creatives as leaders. Who said leadership couldn't be fun, colorful, vibrant, edgy, and contemporary? So who said it? Like, what, where did this idea come from to just combine the two? Well, I think that what I've seen in leadership, and the majority of my, my upbringing has been in leadership capacities. Um, that's been my grace um, in life. And what I've seen is oftentimes leadership is stoic, stale, um, mm -hmm. unfun, critical thinking, which I think is needed, but I think it has lacked the freedom for people to just be themselves. Um, it's lacked the edge, the color, the vibrancy that I think that many leaders need, and I see that exhibited in the lives of creatives. They are initiators. They self-start. They really hold a lot of their projects together without a lot of fanfare and without a lot mm -hmm. of budget. And I think oftentimes they don't know that they're operating in leadership capacities because they're not given that title or they're not the mm -hmm. ones at the head of the tables. Right. It's so fascinating. And, and, and do you think that maybe we're seeing um, – a, I don't know if revival, that's, that's not the right word, maybe a renaissance or just maybe um, a revelation, that might be a better word, of what creatives are and the diversity of creativity and how that actually can translate into leadership in many different capacities? I absolutely do. Um, I believe that the, the first scripture, in the beginning, God created. <laughs> I was like, it's always, it's always there. It's the first scripture in the Bible. Right. Um, right. It's always been there. But I think that we've separated the two uh, where I'm trying to say these, these worlds actually need a convergence because if we're going to, of course, in a world that we're living in today where people are very lifestyle-oriented and people aren't just coming to churches and just sitting there listening to what's being told to them, or they're mm -hmm. not staying at corporations and organizations longer than 2.5, you know, to maybe five years, that yeah. what you're seeing is that people are going, look, I like, I may like what I'm doing, but there's a different way to do it, and I would rather do it myself than to sit somewhere and die. Um, mm -hmm. 
watching somebody else do it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and, you know, it's interesting. I keep thinking of the CREATE conference, Apostle Brian Meadows' CREATE conference, that we were supposed to be at, but just got <laughs> canceled. Thanks, Corona. Yes. Thank you, right. Thank you. Right. Um, Thanks, Rona. But that conference has only been around for, what, a few years? Um, yes. And then now your book is coming yes. out. And we're just seeing so many, like, in the church, we got an yes. apostle who had, what, a drama major hosting a creative conference. Yep. And we have a bishop who's releasing a book called Creative Leaders, and, and it's just so fascinating. And it's, do you think a lot of this, because we can't ignore the age gap here, because, right. you know, I'm doing this podcast, I'm 34, you about to be 38, or you will be tomorrow, or the day of this recording, you know, Apostle Meadows is fairly young, you know, like, do you think yeah. the millennial age gap has a lot to do with this? I honestly think that God releases gifts in the time when they're needed the most. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that every generation, so every age has a darkness. The scripture Mm -hmm. tells us this, right? The darkness of his age. So every age has a darkness. And so because every age has a darkness, then every generation has a revelation. And so what I believe that God is doing is he's releasing us. We are the light revelation of the world, right? And mm-hmm. he's releasing us in this world of creatives. Like, I think when you look at media, entertainment, fashion, that's really controlling the narrative on how people should dress their personal identities, their sexuality, I think mm-hmm. God waited specifically to a time like this to release us as what I would call black ninjas. Because we, <laughs> we are in this world, right? We're mm-hmm. in this world. But but we're not of it. We understand right. the realities of how this world operates and what it values, but we also know how to be a part of it and to impact it and and affect it with kingdom thinking. Yeah. So that's so good. I think God waited. I think God waited to the fullness of time. Mm-hmm. I would have to agree. And it's interesting because you're, the language you're using is talking about releasing creatives into the yeah. world, which I totally agree with. But the thing is, creatives have always been in the world. And creatives yeah. have traditionally left the church for the world. <laughs> and at the same time, though, it's like at the same time that there's being a release, of, I guess, divine creativity. Now, I don't even want to say divine because if it's creative, it's from God. But um, of, um, uh, what's the word? Of consecrated creativity, of sanctified yeah. <laughs> creativity yeah. where, you're, where you're giving your gifts back to the Father of light, so to speak. And at the same time, would you say there is maybe a bit of the opening of the arms from the church perspective to welcome these same creatives back and give them a space instead of pushing them out of the church? I agree. I think, um, and, and to, echo, to echo your sentiment and your point, I absolutely agree with you. Um, creatives have always been in the world. I think that what God always does is he releases gifts some gifts before their time because they kind of stretch open and make the, make the path, so to speak. They're the John the Baptist. 
so that when God mm-hmm. releases, I guess, more of that prototype into a generation, um, they're ready for it. So like, it's like he does it beforehand mm-hmm. so that when he releases them in that generation at that time, the room and the space is made. Um, mm-hmm. I think what God did specifically for me, that the reason why I'm a bishop so young is because I think mm-hmm. God took me through the school of hard knocks. Like, I, I know that people may think, well, you're, you're 38 and a bishop, but I've been in ministry 23 years. So most mm-hmm. of my life's journey has been dedicated to ministry, and it's been very arrayed. I've served in my uncle's church, my pastor church, who I still serve today, being a senior pastor been mm-hmm. serving in the mega ministry for 11 years, so then having the mega ministry experience. Uh, so I think what God did was he formed us and really put us in environments that cultivated and matured our gifts so that mm-hmm. we were ready to be the ones to, I guess, foundationally ground what's happening right now in this generation. Mm-hmm. That's really good. And, and, and how do you see – um, this sort of playing out just in your own local church and just under your own jurisdiction? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, my church is full. I'm thankful for the fact that my church is multi-generational, which is very dope to mm-hmm. me because I have people that are way older than me that, that submit to my leadership. Uh, but I also mm-hmm. have a generation of creatives, uh, people that are forward-thinking and very entrepreneurial, which has mm-hmm. which I don't I won't actually call it a challenge, I actually call it fun, where I've had to be very flexible with the style and the approach of our church to give them the freedom to pursue their businesses, entrepreneurial pursuits or lifestyle events and keep them grounded in faith. So I've actually found it very fun because nowhere in the scripture does it tell us how to have church. And mm-hmm. it gives us the freedom of being able to say, all right, these are the group of people that I have in my hand and that I've been assigned to. How can I ensure that I keep them grounded in faith but also releasing them into the world? Yeah. And and how do you see the older generations sort of responding to that? They're actually – very supportive. I think you, you'll understand when I say this. I, here's the truth. I've only had problems with people that are religious. <laughs> yes. For, for real, for Absolutely. real. I've only had issues with people that are, that are religious in their thinking. And, mm-hmm. and I found that that's not necessarily an age thing. I found that it's a mentality thing. If people have come up in very... Um, denominationally traditional ideas or their mm-hmm. their dogmas or their doctrines are very like what they quote-unquote call, I call it behavioral holiness, not identity holiness. <laughs> then I, That's good. Then I have found, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Then I have found that those people are the ones that are the most difficult to get them to see that there's a new way of doing things. But like, my pastor mm-hmm. will be 80 years old this year, and Aww. my pastor is, when I, when I say the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, and my pastor, I love that man. <laughs> he's been absolutely mm-hmm. supportive to me. Um, he's not been a hindrance to me. When we, when we didn't agree, 
he still allowed me to be who I felt I needed to be and never tried mm-hmm. to change that. And so I have an example of an 80-year-old man that literally sits to my service every Sunday with smoke and lights and loud sound and <laughs> CCM Hill song, not singing none yeah. of the stuff he, he came up with, and he's totally right. with it. That's awesome. I love that. And I think that's so key. And it's, I mean, listen, this is my podcast. We're going to talk about it. So it's, it's, <laughs> it's so fascinating to bring up the, the, the religious. Huh? Yeah. No, I said, yeah, it's it, your it's podcast. So <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, just I've been blogging for years. And so the, the spiritual warfare is the overarching theme to what, even when I try to get away from it, like, it always mm-hmm. comes back. And so when you mentioned that religious spirit, it's just so interesting because it's just so restrictive. And I guess I've just been hearing it popping up over and over on different themes and different mm-hmm. content I've been taking in lately. But it's so fascinating because I don't um, – and you can see it, but you know how things are right in front of your face, but you haven't really yeah. focused on it. Like you can see very easily how that old, ugly, religious spirit would be such a stalwart, um, not just in the context of revival, but in – I mean, which is creative, <laughs> You know, yep. but but in the context of, you know, what we traditionally consider creative, well, I don't like that music. I didn't grow up with that. Why do we need that hope machine to take all that? You know, why why do they need to wear whatever? You know, like, yep. I didn't grow up like that. Yep. Church wasn't like that for me, you know. And it's just so mm-hmm. amazing because you can't have that release, whether it is what we traditionally consider creativity, whether it is revival whatever, you really will not see that release until you can put that spirit in its place and not to shut the people down, but the people who are hosting the spirit (laughs) saying, we love you. Um, We appreciate you, Uh, but you're not running this. That's right. (laughs) You're not running this. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is a big conversation because I think a lot of what we're calling church hurt, um, mm-hmm. A lot of what we're calling this mass exodus from faith, um, honestly, I think is shadow boxing. Um, you can see it in the scripture where God will, I don't understand why God used religion, right? You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Like that part I'm still, you know, talking with the father about. Like why is that a way, you know, that you mm-hmm. used? Um, but when you look even in the children of Israel, they literally wandered around in the wilderness until a generation died. And then the next generation was released into the promise. And so I think this is a significant time for people like you and I, because there is a Mm -hmm. mentality that is going to die in the wilderness that is going to, um, I guess, escort us into what the promised land looks like for us. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the world. I think the, the, the problem with religion is because it worships what God has said and not what God is saying. And yeah, because good. they're worshiping that and they're not focused on the mission, what they're doing is they've mm-hmm. allowed that, that present-day revelation to now become their tradition. 
That's so it's, good. It's revelation frozen in time, you know? And yeah. um, I, I think that we're shattering that because we're starting to understand that church is not a service. Church, church yeah. is a mission. Yeah. Not how well you can do church. Like, I mean, at this point, and I've been in church a long time, and I've been in black church, white church. I was just in Latino church this weekend. Like, it ain't mm-hmm. too much more you can do in a church service that moves me. Right. <laughs> right. Like, at this point, like, if I don't, if it ain't me there for what I know Jesus is calling for me to do, you can have lights or you can have a pulpit. I don't care. I, like, mm-hmm. But I think we're grasping on to the fact that there's more for us to do with our lives opposed to just how well the church experience is on a Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and going back to your comment about the exodus from the church, talk about that a little bit, the, the millennial exit. Like what, what are some of the reasons? Um, you're seeing behind that specifically. We know that there are different headlines, you know, whether it be millennials right. leaving for witchcraft or which is valid, you know, or millennials right. leaving just whatever, just they don't want to be church. This is the first unchurched generation we're seeing. You know, what are your thoughts on that as a millennial and a bishop? Well, I think that not as many millennials are leaving the church as being prepared. And the reason why I say that is because, you know, like all of these polls and that are being taken, I'm like, they've never knocked on my church door and given right. any numbers or any statistics. <laughs> I'm like, so where are y'all getting these numbers from? <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. But it's I, a good question. I, like, where, where are y'all getting these numbers from? Y'all, I get, y'all not knocking on these doors like y'all say y'all are. <laughs> but I think, though, um, People are, though, leaving, I call it institutionalized religion, though, because I think people are exhausted with the monotony and the routine of what we're calling church. And And I think people might agree with this or might not agree with this, but I think what has been the problem with our church experience is it overstimulates you emotionally but it doesn't mm-hmm. always challenge you intellectually, and yeah. we're in a very intellectual age, and so yeah. it's kind of like you get a high, and it's like, mm-hmm. yo, I've had, this ain't good enough no more. Yeah. Like, you know, give God the 30-second praise break for, you know, he's getting ready to see your unexpected <laughs> check. It's like, fam, I've been doing this for 20 years. It ain't never happened. But yeah. They, they won't, and, so they won't ever say that, and I will say this for anybody that listens to this podcast, I have found that it's out of respect that people will leave because they don't want to sit mm. there and look rebellious. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Like, I, I personally, as a bishop, a 38, 38-year-old have been raised in traditional Pentecostalism and then have been in white CCM land, um, mm-hmm. I personally don't like look forward to going to church services that aren't mission oriented because yeah. it's I, I kinda check out. It's exhausting. Yeah. And I'm a mm-hmm. it's like you know, and especially if you go into certain environments that's like, you know, man, if you don't move your legs, well I was not blessed with the ability to dance. 
Like, God stepped over me with that one. I'm like, yo, God, when you was making the black people in heaven, you sure didn't get me to sing an order dancer. Right. (laughs) So I didn't miss out on a whole lot of blessings they say you only get through singing and, you know, through the way we sing. Right, right. And I'm tired of coming to church to get beat up on. Yeah. You know, and I'm going to say something, you know, and it may get me in trouble, but I'm used to that. So (laughs) what what I'm thinking now, and we, we, different, different individuals have sort of had this conversation. I don't know how openly we've had this conversation, but amongst ourselves, just about the sort of lack, and this is not to knock anyone, because the truth of the matter is, Ministers know that y'all preach at, not you, Bishop, uh, but others, <laughs> your neighbor, okay, okay. preach All right, at my neighbor. a lower level, okay? I yes. heard what is it, fourth grade level, fifth grade level, sixth grade level, and I remember years ago, um, Apostle Pam Vanette, she gave me a prophetic word, and she was like, you give it to the people like God gives it to you. Like, mm-hmm. don't don't go down to this elementary school level. People are not dumb as ye suppose. <laughs> like, we are fact checking. Okay. We're Preach. we're like I will stop in the middle of a sermon, okay? And pull yep. up my Google it. I will pull up the scripture to see if you try to make it say something. It doesn't say I will like it when we yell facts. That's our amen. Yep. I, I think I saw a meme yeah, that said right. that, you know, and I'll still shout amen. I'm Kojic. Okay. Yeah. But still, right. what, what, what's really fascinating, especially from a black angle, and this is what's going to really get me in trouble, okay? Mm. If we don't talk about black people in America, we have yeah. to go back to the plantation. And the truth mm. of the matter is, Church was never, black church, plantation church was never about intellect. It was never right. about um, a revelation. It was Very never true. about hearing from heaven. It was about keeping the people in line yeah. so they would continue to submit to their white overlords and yeah. giving them an, a chance to express themselves. Yes. And we have passed that down. And not yep. examined, well, why do we shout? Why is it, okay, service starts at 11, we do a, a praise break at 11.45, like, <laughs> every Sunday. Like, yep. you practice your shout, like, you don't even know what the man or woman of God said. Like, you just, oh, yes. amen, quicken, you know. Yep. It, yep. What did you gain? You got a false positive. You're That's not right. actually pregnant with anything. So talk about that That's a little bit. Right. Well, I think that, you know, today I made a post on my Instagram. And please follow me, y'all, if y'all out here in, in uh, social media land, Antoine Jackson on all socials. Um, but I made a post about, the, and it's in the book as well, about how I think many of us have struggled and do struggle with what I call self-devaluation that has been mm-hmm. passed down through oppressive mentalities and mindsets. Because a lot of the definitions we have been given have been from people that are bound. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the perspectives that many of us even share about church are only rooted Mm -hmm. in inspiration, not transformation. So church, Mm -hmm. if church, 
so the reason why we have to put so much into the experience of music and lights and singing and mics and all of that stuff where we're literally using our budget to regurgitate an experience and then we call the energy in the room the, room the anointing <laughs> because we're not engaging our mentalities and our intellect. The Bible says the way to be transformed is by the renewing of your mind, not your shadow. Absolutely. But Absolutely. when you say stuff like that, people just, it, 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 it clamps down. Like, you feel right. the, the air suck out of the room because you, they make you feel like you're the Antichrist. But right. it's like, no, I'm actually telling you what the Bible says. Right. But they don't read it. <laughs> exactly. So what happens, we have to continue to, I call it shadow box. I think the greatest distraction is not the devil. I think the greatest distraction is ignorance. Mm, that's good. Which is which is fueled by the devil. He is. Exactly. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? He's yeah. not omnipresent. He's not everywhere. Mm-hmm. But what does he do? He controls the narrative. He is mm-hmm. the author of confusion. And Absolutely. you can't be confused without elements of truth. So he tells you just enough truth to make you think it's true with enough stupidity in it to keep you bound and not even seeing the reality of what you're doing, not even being effective. Right. Right. And so if you want my honest opinion, this corona situation I think is a great challenge for all of us. What would happen if every church building on the planet just dissolved? There was no more church, no more church building, no more lights, no more screens. What does mm-hmm. the faith look like then? Yeah, it's a good and you question. See that people, and you already see people going crazy. Like, right. oh, it's a week. It's just a Sunday. <laughs> right. Like, fam, right. you do. We have fifty-two Sundays out of the year, and you don't come to anything throughout the midweek. No shame. Right. But, right. If if your church attendance is if your church attendance is already only two point two point five Sundays in a month, I would have mm-hmm. thought everybody would have been like, Well, cool. But right. you see how dependent many people are on the church experience because to them that's their relationship with Jesus. Okay. Am I back? Yep, you're back. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> Signal, y'all. Technology. It's been a trying day. Okay, continue. <laughs> oh, Lord. So, hold on one second. Let's make sure that I'm connected here, too. You sound better. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Okay. Um, but, yeah, man, church is their, church is, church is their relationship. Or the experience yeah. is their relationship, and I and and I mean I I feel comfortable with you just kind of spewing, you know, like mm-hmm. the reality is the church, the word church is out of the term ecclesia, ek out from kaleo to call. So Jesus mm-hmm. even had a narrative by which he said, "Look, just like they have theirs, I'm going to have mine." But we've never mm-hmm. asked that question about where did Jesus get the term church from? Because right. he understood culturally what world the worldview that he was in. Just like mm-hmm. the Romans had their their senators that legislated laws on behalf of their government, 
He was like, just like they have theirs, I'm going to have mine. Mm-hmm. And so, but we have religion, I think, is the weapon of mass destruction. And mm. How do you tell somebody that that's doing something that's right or something mm-hmm. that's good that it's not right? That's the problem we're having with it because the morality that's wrapped around religious services. Yeah. Wow. And and we're just we're just over here just missing full expressions of God mm-hmm. <laughs> in the name of religion. Like when, yes. when when like as you said earlier, you know, in the beginning God created. That is literally how we start reading the Word of God. You know. Yep. Um, and, and we see it, you know, in John, which I call the Genesis of the New Testament. We see it in Romans 1. We see it in Hebrews. Like, you cannot escape yep. the creativity of God. Like, yep. you cannot escape when you find a movement of God. Like, when, when, when they're building the tabernacle. Like, oh, we yes. need skilled, anointed artisans. When yes. we're building, you know, for both tabernacles, when we're building the temples, we need skilled, anointed mm-hmm. artisans. Uh, the That's book right. of Psalms, we, we need psalmists and minstrels. Who was it? Elisha said, bring me a minstrel. All these different expressions of God that yep. we're just completely missing out on because it doesn't jive with our yeah. particular structure of yeah. archaity. I don't know if that's a word, but it is now. It's insane. It's absolutely insane. And this is why people want to leave because they're like, right. I want to do what God called me to do. I want to be what God called me to be. You're not providing me with a structure. And so yep. I have to go and recreate the wheel. Yep. yep. And then you're going to condemn me. Exactly. So, yeah. so persecution, persecution takes on a totally different meaning to me. So persecution, okay. persecution is not, um, okay, somebody stepped on my toe or somebody doesn't like what I have to say or somebody says something against what I have to say. Like, that's not persecution mm-hmm. to me. That's just right. immaturity. <laughs> like, that's not persecution. <laughs> But to me, I don't think many believers understand the rejection you will receive once you have revelation about the right way to perceive Scripture. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, once you, like once your light bulb really comes on about the way to interpret Scripture and the way to actually live out the faith, the persecution mm-hmm. you receive is, of course, from principalities, right? So yeah. they try to oppress your voice which causes mm-hmm. a lack of support, or you find mm-hmm. it when you're trying to do things like today. Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, you find it's <laughs> yeah. difficult. You're like, dude, I could do this if I was talking about crayons, and I wouldn't have any issues. Right. But then when you're right. talking about something that is specific, that addresses darkness, you hit hiccups. Yeah. Right. And it's constant. Um, so mm-hmm. you have that, and then you have religious people that are on a, they get on this tangent to try to discredit you, scandalize right. you, control mm-hmm. you, like, and mm-hmm. to try to control people's narrative concerning your identity and who you are. Right. 
So persecution takes on a totally different definition to me once you come to truth. Absolutely. And, and, and as you said, a lot of the things that in our, our Western society that we call persecution is it's a difference of opinion. Right. <laughs> it's, it's not persecution. Now, I'm, there right. has absolutely been persecution, but it's still been on a sliding scale, and we've been on right. the lesser end of the sliding scale, not to negate any of it, because if you want to mm-hmm. talk about people who've been targeted, yeah. <laughs> who've been attacked and, and defamed and all of that, yep. like, I know what that is. You know, yes. <laughs> so you know yep. what that is. And so yeah, it's, it's, we're not talking about just someone not liking what you're doing or, oh, I don't like that book. I don't want to buy it. Right. No, it's a direct right. attack from hell mm-hmm. using a person as the host, yes. you know, as the That's means right. or vehicle to, to right. um, produce the attack or convey it if you will but um let's talk about this book a little more this is an excellent springboard but like what are maybe some of your favorite aspects of the book um for the reader what do you maybe think they'll get the most out of what was your favorite part (laughs) so my favorite part of the book was writing it from a personal development standpoint i wrote it Mm -hmm. in a way that the everyday person can read it and apply the principle of the book um, okay. Perfect example, uh, one of the chapters I did called The Jordan Effect, and I talk about Jordans. Like, I don't know okay. about you, but I love Jays. Like, love Jays. <laughs> and just the idea okay. of what is it about Jordans that people will stand in line, um, take out extra homeowner's insurance, pay $500 for a pair of shoes that Insanity. only cost 10 cents to make. Right. And what is it about Jordans that will make this this brand to continue to release the same shoes at the same time every year and people keep buying them. And I was like, are we really into the shoes or does it superimpose something on us? And so Mm -hmm. I talked about how Jordan's everyday discipline is really when we put on the shoes, we feel like we can jump like Mike. It gives us confidence. Right. And so I was trying to teach people that really if you were to self-invest, then what you'll find is that's where confidence comes from. So mm, it really good. opens up a lot of conversation that people need practical answers on. And oftentimes in church, we just tell them to pray more about it. We start telling them very yeah. weird, you know, pray about it, fast about it. Stuff. <laughs> it's like, that's not practical. Like, how do you get somebody that never, that doesn't have self-esteem to self-esteem? How do you get yeah. somebody that has a desire for leadership to understanding what leadership is and how they can operate in everyday leadership. So yeah. I'm excited about it because I think it's the it's our generation's everyday language and being mm-hmm. an answer to our ability to stand in places of authority and influence in this world. Yeah. Now, you said something um, just now, and you mentioned, you know, what was the insecurity um, in a creative? Mm-hmm. What are some of the uh, common issues you see amongst creative people? I have found that because creativity sometimes is an outward expression, not an inward work, the validation mm-hmm. comes through what people celebrate, like if they celebrate your, I guess, the end result or what you produce. But people mm-hmm. don't always know that person. And I found that yeah. a lot of creatives seem to have this weird insecurity where, like, they yeah. even talk about Michael Jackson. Like, 
This mm-hmm. dude literally was probably one of the greatest artists to ever live, but right. literally never, ever securing his identity, was constantly mm-hmm. changing himself, doing everything he could because the end result blessed other people, but he wasn't happy with himself. Right. And what I'm finding is that's a lot of what's going on in a life of creativity or creatives, I'm mm-hmm. sorry, that they literally do great work, but they're not happy with themselves. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. And it, it, it's, um, it's very difficult. And, yeah, a lot of us, we're, we're born with a lot of gifts. We have some of us develop them or they're dropped on us later or merge later. But those gifts come through adversity. Yeah. You know? And then even it's difficult for me nowadays to discuss creatives without discussing profit. You know, because mm-hmm. profits are creative. Yeah. <laughs> and creatives are profits, you know, and some of us literally dabble in what is traditionally both, you know, realms. Yep. And and you have a lot of issues. So I say if you get a group of, of prophets and apostles together, you have a group of people who are some of the most rejected, mm-hmm. potentially insecure you know, yeah. people Very you will true. ever gather. Because, I mean, yeah. oh, my God, prophets especially. Like, yeah. nobody wants to hear you, Jeremiah. Shut up. Right. We don't want to hear you cry aloud and spare and not. We don't want to know what new thing the Lord is saying. We just want you to confirm what we already know yeah. or think God said, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just such a um, – it's very depressing, and it can really, if you're not rooted and grounded, it can really shake you to the core of your mm-hmm. being, you know. Talk about yeah. that a little bit. Well, I think that one of the things that many of us have to have is personal security because mm-hmm. when you're pioneering a new way, it is always rejected. Um, yeah. The, the thing that I'm starting to really understand about people is that, People are very comfortable and very complacent, and because mm-hmm. people are comfortable and complacent, when you try to give birth to new things, new dreams, new ways of doing, pioneering new ways to have church, you know, businesses or anything like that, people don't often mm-hmm. accept it first. And right. many creatives bank on that acceptance, right, to say yeah. whether this is the right thing to do. But what happens when the thing you give birth to is readily rejected? Yeah. and not affirmed or celebrated, and you have to then stick with it for a significant amount of time before somebody goes, you know what, that's actually very good, or that was before it's time. Um, yeah. And so that's why creatives need to be, you know, told. Mm-hmm. Like, they need to be, like, this book will help a creative, like, understand the realities of Look, I'm 23 years into the game, and now I'm just not releasing my first book. I know people yeah. that have been in ministry five minutes, and they're trying to write a memoir. And it's like, don't do that to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> don't do that to yourself mm-hmm. yet because you haven't built the personal fortitude to, right. to deal with people's criticisms and rejection of your baby. This is your yeah. baby. This is your idea. Um, and you have to have that discipline and that character to be able to handle people's rejection. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and it's funny because I know for me, 
insecurity and rejection is something I've struggled with my whole life, you know, and, mm. and most people would not look at me and say, what? Desiree, yep. you struggle with it. Are you kidding me? Yes. And it's, right. it, I think it's more categorical. Like if you mm-hmm. come at me and say that wasn't the word of the Lord, I'm going to be like, okay, <laughs> have a good day. Like, God bless you. Right. Like, I don't know what you want me to say. You know, um, it, it, I think it just depends on what arena we're talking about. But that rejection can really fuel you know, um, further things, like, because the truth of the matter is, look, I, I've written several books at this point. No mm. one has read my, well, no one has seen publicly my first book. Wow. And that was a divine download. I wrote it. It was over 300 pages, and I wrote it in two days shy of a month in 2012. And mm. I started, you know, submitting it to, you know, publishing companies, and they just sent just the nicest rejection letters. <laughs> every single one of them. And I was just, like, trying to, like, mine the gems out of, you know, (laughs) the letters. But I wrote several other books, and guess what? I didn't ask anyone to publish them. I just did it myself, you know. And maybe that's not what everyone wants to do. But in the truth of the matter is, and I'm not knocking anyone's first book, especially since we're talking about yours, so I'm not knocking it. But, like, (laughs) that's your freshman project, you know. That's right. Like, as amazing as it is, there's a sophomore project and a junior project and a senior project and a college project, you know, and a grad school project, you know, that come. And so even if it's, like, at 100, which is very possible that it could be, like, to, yeah. to, to everyone who's going to be buying it and reading it and mind-blowing and all that, like, there's still something else. And so it's like, well, you did that, so now what are you going to do? What's your next book going to be? What's your next project? What's your next uh, venture going to be? And just use that as fuel. Like, no, everyone is not going to receive you. Your family is going to think you're crazy. Probably. (laughs) Your friends are not, unfortunately, are usually not going to be the ones who really step up and support you like that initially. And that could be for whatever reason. And I'm not the person to say that everyone is a hater. So, so that's not always the issue. Yeah. It's just the truth of the matter. You know, they're right. not always going to buy your content or show up to your events. And, and it's going to people going to be the people you don't know. The people who have been following, you don't don't even know who's following you. And so that's why consistency and not being overthrown by rejection and insecurity. Like, I don't know who you're going to reach, but you're Mm going to reach somebody. That's right. That's right. There's an audience somewhere. (laughs) That's right. And that's why I always measure on the personal development side um, by just telling people, like, look, being spiritual is an identity. It's not a behavior. And once we start to understand that, then we'll stop with all of this trying to be more spiritual. Like, how can you be – I can't be no more black than I am today. I'm black, period. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And and that's what I'm trying to get people to understand about spirituality. Spirituality, you are a spirit. You are put in a body and you have a soul. So I'm not Mm -hmm. doing anything to become more spiritual. It's right. now me understanding that as a spirit, how do I live mm-hmm. the life that Jesus died for me to have? That's and good. that 
that's the that's what I'm trying to push people to really like I guess unpack a little bit because I think yeah. that people are neglecting their lives and they're calling that sacrifice. And mm, you can't yeah. sacrifice what you don't have. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what yeah. are you sacrificing? Well, you're not, that's neglect. And you can't call, you can't define neglect as sacrifice and think that God has to reward your neglect. Oop. So you're going to get in trouble now. <laughs> he doesn't you're, have to you're do coming that. for the saint's piety now. <laughs> like, that's not, that's. And so that's, I mean, these are all keys that I have learned that I've, you know, really have put, put in the book because for a long time, I just thought that going to church was enough. And yeah. uh, I found that it wasn't enough. It's mm-hmm. a both and. It's, yeah. it's a both and. It's, I love, the reason why I'm a part of the church is because I love Jesus. But that's why I don't worship the church because the church is Jesus's. It's not mine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. But I also understand that Jesus came and I might have life and that more abundantly. And so if I don't build what I need to do to have a quality life, then I'm actually disrespecting Jesus' sacrifice. That's good. That's really good. Um, So as someone um, who is a creative and mm-hmm. someone who is also an apostle. So, so to break it down for the listeners, creatives, we, we love the flow. Okay, we like yeah. to be in the flow in the river, creativity, whatever yeah. you want to call it, whether you're a prophet, a traditional creative. And then you have the apostles, which translates a lot of time to structures, to order, mm-hmm. which is like sometimes a curse word, to creative. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yep. so, Taught how, since you're apparently a hybrid, and I do yep. believe there's a lot of hybrids and a rise of hybrids, I'm a hybrid, but mm-hmm. talk about, give some advice for some creatives who struggle, struggle with structure and order. What would you say to them? Well, I would say it like this, that if you're struggling with structure and order, just check your values. I think that sometimes mm. people think that structure and order is a matter of balance. And what happens is they start to get anxiety because it's like, I yeah. have all of this to do. How can I balance all of this? And I like to help them understand that to me, balance is a fallacy. I actually believe mm-hmm. in the word of priority. I, I yeah. believe that if you set priorities and your priorities are based on your values, then you, mm-hmm. you'll learn the art of calendar management, email management, what days to mm-hmm. work, what days to rest. Like God has even given us a system where he says six days work, one day rest. But not, yeah. but we've been taught grind, 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 grind. And I'm like, I haven't seen anything good come from grinding. Like try right. grinding breaks. Try grinding salt. Oh. It makes yeah. it thin. Yeah, <laughs> And so a lot of people are living thin lives. And so I, I would say that really just check your values. Make sure that things that are valuable to you are the things that you prioritize first. And I found that God always gives you grace when you take responsibility for what is valuable. That's good. That's good. Um, are there, is there more you could add to that as a, sure. a creative who's also a father? 
Sure. It has Absolutely. a responsibility in that arena. Absolutely. I feel like for me, every single day, I have to be emotionally, psychologically, and physically better. For me to be the man I need to be, for me to be the father I need to be, I have to at some point of every single day invest and build myself because wherever I lack is what I'm going to have as what I would call weird expectations of other people in organizations. So for me, mm-hmm. I have learned that I have to make sure that self-investment is a part of every day. I get a tithe of every day. Mm-hmm. To, if there's 24 hours in – and this is real for me, by the way. This yeah. is real. Like, this is not okay. conjecture. Like, every day, get up, take my kid to the school, go uh, come back, go to the gym, go to the coffee house, write my goals. My goals consist of my mission statement and things that I want to accomplish. Once that is done – I eat, and I'm reading, and I'm listening, and I'm gathering information for the day. Then I'm set. Mm-hmm. But I refuse to go out into the world thinking that I have the fortitude for what's going to happen that day because mm-hmm. every day is met with its own challenge. Yeah. So I try to make sure I'm ready for every day. It's a, that's the definition of discipline to me. Mm, that's good. That's good. And there's one final topic that we don't have a lot of time, but if you could just take maybe a, two or three minutes and talk about okay. anxiety, because this is an issue. You mentioned it. Um, I know I did a post about it the other day. A girlfriend of mine did a post. Like, this is something that I think we're finally being a little more vocal about. Mm-hmm. Um, talk about how how maybe some struggles and how you deal with that. Yes. So I did not know that it was anxiety until Mm. I started getting healthy. I thought it was normal. I thought that feeling in the pit of my stomach or that nervousness that was just always there, I thought Mm -hmm. that was just normal. You know, I thought, well, hey, you're conquering, you know, the number one phobia, which is public speaking. You know, you do this yeah. three, four times a week. Maybe that just comes with it. Um, mm-hmm. But what I found was it had this grip on my, like, on, if it was in the pit of my stomach. I just never yeah. felt at peace. Um, yeah. And so what I found was when I reset the way that I lived my life, I was able to deal with peace. And I found that a lot of the anxiety was tied to my everyday thought life. Mm, yeah that my thought life was off. Um, I mm-hmm. I believe more in my fears than I did anything that I was doing. Yeah. Um, and because I believe more in my fears than anything else, I kept regurgitating that anxiety. And so to okay. me, the gym, the gym is important. Mm-hmm. The gym is important. Um, like, in the art of breathing is important. Now, I'm not going to get off into nothing crazy, but right, I, I will right. say this. But I will say this. Oftentimes, we have been taught religiously that, um, like, prayer is talking to God, and it is. Mm-hmm. But I believe the most mm-hmm. important aspect of prayer is meditation and letting God talk mm. back to you. That's good. So I actually learned the art of greater meditation, and that's letting God talk back to me. Like, what are his thoughts concerning me, concerning my day? How does he feel about me? 
Is he angry yeah. with me or does he celebrate me? Does he love me? Mm-hmm. You know, and once I started to understand that it was, I was my own worst critic, I started to deal with that anxiety. That's good. That's really good. You know, I um, and I, I think I'm going to have to do a whole episode just on anxiety <laughs> at oh, some point yes. in this season. But you know, I I was I was sort of processing processing through some things with some of my girlfriends recently, and I was telling them that you know I've I've sort of hijacked the term replacement theology you know it mm-hmm. says this is the only good replacement theology like literally replacing those thoughts you know i'm not yes. good enough i'm you know not smart enough whatever it is for you whatever your anxiety issue is and just replacing it with what god says with what you know is actually true when you're having when, you, when you're in a good space you know what the bible says about you and just taking a moment to say, okay, that's not true. (laughs) And then if you're triggered by something like really taking a moment to pause and examine where it came from. And a lot of times, you know, where it came from. And then just again, just airing it. So something I like to do if I have like a really crazy and this can go beyond anxiety, but if I have like a really extra thought, (laughs) crazy (laughs) thought, whether it's about me or maybe an issue with a friend or something, I will literally just say, like, you know, I know this is going to sound crazy. I know Mm -hmm. this is going to sound crazy, but this is what I'm thinking so you can hear it out loud. And no offense, Mm -hmm. because there's two people who struggled with this before. Like, you can hear how stupid you sound. Like, (laughs) (laughs) how stupid that thought is and how untrue, how untrue that thought is. And then now that it's out there, because, again, we're talking about, you know, light and darkness, revealing things, you know, shedding the the light of God on some things, like, that will help you, you know. And it's a process. Like, it's something you literally have to practice. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Like, you have to do it. It's a choice. And no one can do it for you. That's right. Um, so, yeah, we're definitely going to have to do an episode on that at some point on the Desiree <laughs> show. But um, <laughs> let the people <laughs> let the people know, again, you know, where they can get it. Again, y'all, it's, the creative leader is available today. Where can they yes. get it, Bishop Antoine? You can get the creative leader at AntoineJackson.org or on all digital outlets. It is available to you, and I would love to hear your thoughts and your feedback once you get the book. Great. And how can they connect with you on social sure. media? You can find me on all social media at Antoine Jackson. It's A-N-T-W-A-I-N Jackson on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and my website. Okay. And um, thank you so much for for coming on the Desiree Show, for gracing us with your presence. It's been <laughs> such an honor, Bishop. And uh, thank you all. <laughs> Thank you all for, thank you, thank you, thank you. (laughs) And thank you all for listening and for connecting with us. Um, Please contact us if this episode resonated with you. Share this on your timeline. You can listen on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and several other platforms now. It should be coming to iTunes in the near future. Um, Favorite this on Anchor. Subscribe and visit my bookstore, y'all. 
you guys take care, and I will be here again next week.